hello and welcome to the Acolytes of Merlin. Today we will be recording Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Uh, so we will be going through every live action Star Wars movie. So we are your hosts, Johnny, and joining me is... Oh, it's uh, Matthew. Yes. So, yeah, and you were on one of the very first episodes. I think we had it was with... um. Uncle Mike and Uncle Tim, very like one of the first ones we recorded. So it's been a while, but it, it was pre-pandemic. So yes, <laughs> what was that like a decade ago now? Yes, just about. So uh, yeah, so we are going to be going through all the Star Wars movies. Uh, so this episode will be a New Hope. Uh, oh, and, and going through them in release order, uh, just to to clarify that, uh, and kind of a. And so it'll be Matthew and I will be doing all of them, and different people will be coming in for various episodes, depending on which movies uh, people want to join in on. <laughs> so um, I'm super excited about this. Uh, and one more thing before we kind of get started, I wanted to note that we will be full spoilers for pretty much all of Star Wars, certainly the live action movies. I don't expect like i don't expect that we're gonna be uh, like it, it, it won't be we won't be having intentionally deep lore discussions about stuff from like the clone wars or some of the expanded universe books or video games but a lot of that stuff is or will will be relevant at times uh, and i i think it's this is probably the one the one media thing that i will probably want to say full spoilers for i mean if anybody's listening to this and hasn't seen all the movies that's what you're walking into it so yes yeah yeah i i i would be surprised if there are people that have read the entire say the entirety of the wheel of time but have not seen a star wars yeah not to say that people that that person or those people would not exist but i would imagine it is a it's rare <laughs> right all right so let's uh let's get into it what do you have what are you do you have any particular opening thoughts on a new hope i i guess we can start with like what it is like what it means to us and culturally what it means because it, it is it's a big movie <laughs> It is, and I think that's kind of the place to start with this. Before you know, you get into the lore of the Star Wars universe, you have to have a Star Wars universe, and that's what A New Hope is. It's the Big Bang. Uh, but even beyond just creating the Star Wars universe, in a way, I think it kind of spawns so much of what we see today, be it the Marvel universe, things, even Lord of the Rings. So many of these big blockbuster sci-fi fantasy movies really probably wouldn't exist if Star Wars hadn't done what it did. Uh, being able to bring that to a wide audience. Um, that's kind of something like sci-fi had always been. And, you know, not that like we were around when this movie came out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah but, but so like, you know, sci-fi, it had always been kind of a niche thing, but this was, it broke into the mainstream. When you see videos from that time period, uh, you'd have remixes of the, opening fanfare like you know being played non-ironically at clubs um i know, need to see these <laughs> I, I i saw them i saw them in a uh history channel documentary on star wars uh years ago um i think for one of the 20 something anniversaries but it was just it was just this cultural phenomenon and it really 
I think you look at what allowed it to do that was a few things. One, the visual effects. Um, now, now, real quick, sorry to backtrack before we get onto this. I do want to make a slight correction uh, about Lord of the Rings existed prior to this. It's just the obvious that and the it, movie. Yes, the movie. Sorry, the my, movie probably my, wouldn't. My, nerd, do this. my my geek sense required me to say to speak up, but sorry. No, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, Lord, <laughs> Lord of the Rings long outdates, and and there's probably when George Lucas was writing the story for Star Wars, absolutely some inspiration there um from lord of the rings but as far as the visual spectacle um that definitely star wars breaks that open um, oh yeah oh yeah and you know industrial light and magic the you know studio that did all the uh, uh george Lucas created it for star wars and now does um everything you know, yes. much- <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, every big movie is done by Industrial Light and Magic these days. But what they're able to do, and I think I forget which actor from Star Wars mentioned at Star Wars Celebration a few years ago during a panel. You know, the first time you walk in, you see Star Wars. It looks real because they used all these practical effects, these miniature models, and for the time, it's pretty revolutionary. Um, And then the sound. There's nothing like it. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, obviously, the effects of Star Wars changed over time and in some you ways that. <laughs> changed over time but even like today when you look at the mandalorian they've come back to these models because it was so effective and i think that's also why it continues to hold up today because even like when you go back and watch the original iron man movie that cgi doesn't quite hold up as well today as even just how many years ago iron man was 15 something like that. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, something close. I don't to know that. why the year 2008 is in my mind, but I don't know. That, 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 that is when it came out, but yes. I'm not doing the math. Um, that's 16 years, right? Uh, <laughs> close. Anyways. Um, but so you see that. You see, you know, how far CGI has come just in the that time. If you look at original Iron Man versus, say, you know, Endgame. Yeah, Endgame Infinity Infinity War, yeah. But you could still put Star Wars in its original non-special edition form, which I, you know, I've seen clips of. I don't think I've I've ever actually seen it. Yeah, I was, like, thinking about that. Like, how you would... What version... Like, where would you find the original, unedited 1977, or, or at the very least that or the version that would have been released on like Betamax or v- the original VHS or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe on the, uh, Imperial volts on Scarif, but <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, probably locked away somewhere at Lucasfilm Skywalker ranch, um, or just so- somebody who worked at a theater in those days and took it home with them. Um, oh yeah. It, it definitely exists. Whether or not it, it can still be, yeah, it definitely exists. But now that, that's a that's a topic maybe for the end of this. But as far yes. as and I think there is a conversation about cinematic preservation that goes along with this movies and the subsequent yes. releases. Yes, I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something completely different. Um, yeah, we 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 should definitely get into that, but we'll put a pin on it for now. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that's but that's like what Star Wars was is this big bang it 
you know, blows into the mainstream. I believe it was nominated for the best picture um, Oscar. Oh, really? Which, I didn't I'd look it up. I, I believe it was, um, which is, you know, if you think about it, like even with the push that, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, one of the biggest movies of all time, they made a push to try to get into the Oscars and they couldn't even get nominated. Um, yeah, well, because science fiction and fantasy isn't real art. It's, yeah. They can't say something important. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's Star Wars. I, I, I looked it up. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Alec Guinness got a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. I think I knew that. I think I had heard that about Alec Guinness. And it was probably the last sci-fi, science fiction, and fantasy movie to be nominated for Best Picture until, like, I don't Avatar? Know, no, fell, no, uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Fel, fellowship, uh, fellowship and Other Ring and Two Towers were nominated for a bunch of but it like took Return of the King to actually win. Um, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. But yeah, so that's you kind of see like even even at the time, that's such a huge deal for a movie like that, even just to be nominated. Well, and it was, and, and, it was yeah, and it was also like it, it was it was kind of scrappy. Like he like it wasn't like like, like you could Star Wars was in some ways an indie film by like today's like definition. I think uh, that's. I mean, what was the budget? It was like fifty, not even fifty million dollars. It that I, doesn't sound right. That sounds like way too much. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Five million. Um, but I, I know. I think Mark Hamill jokes about that routinely, saying that you know Star Wars is the biggest indie film ever made. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and to a certain extent, because the story goes that George Lucas didn't even go to the premiere. He was in Hawaii with Steven Spielberg, I think. And that's when they hatched the idea for Indiana Jones. Oh, I, th- I think I've heard that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the story. Nobody, nobody expected this movie to make it, but it really somewhat unintentionally does break into the mainstream in a way that sci-fi fantasy never really had before. Oh yeah. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with how it, it it's, I forget where I heard or saw this, but it, it's basically a, it's basically a distillation of all of George Lucas's influences. So I, and so, and, and there are influences that were used in other forms. He just took what he liked from them and made this movie. So like in particular, you have like the 1930s, like serials where everything is episodic in the sense that in the sense that, well, now we would think of it as like serialized, where each episode leads into the next thing. So, to speak. yeah, so yeah, like the 1930s serials, uh, westerns, samurai movies, uh, and then, and then of course, like the Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces. And he distilled all of those things into this movie, and it all works. And so, but it feels so original, even though it is, even though you can very distinctly point to certain things that are like, oh, this like the, the Jedi are like a, more inspired by samurai, and like the like Han Solo and a lot of this stuff is it's a west like he's the scene with Greedo, like that's like a scene from a western when he killed when Han kills Greedo, and like the opening crawl, like the 1930s serial, and then Luke's whole arc with. Well, at least parts of the Joseph Campbell hero's journey, and it it it's just, it, it's, it takes these 
elements of things that had previously been done, but combines them in a way that is wholly original. Yeah, and I think that's, I think something, you know, I know we're trying to stay focused on A New Hope, but I think something you do see is even as George Lucas has moved away from Star Wars, because he did draw from all those things, you see them come back even today. You see Western scenes in The Mandalorian. You see scenes from samurai movies and samurai, uh, that, that, yeah, I believe it's a movie that you see that, recreated scene in the mandalorian um and because of that it, it does lead to this continuity um which i think can go on in perpetuity that everything maybe we won't say everything yet um right but it's, it's everything can kind of point back and it feels you know cohesive to a certain extent and i will say for the most part star wars seems in my opinion to be cohesive I I think I think considering how just like gargantuan a a franchise Star Wars is it, it does feel remote it, it does feel very co- like there is a feel of what S- Star Wars is kind of a space adventure that has some deeper meaning stuff but is also a lot of fun and has really kind of interesting and sometimes weird and sometimes bad world building <laughs> uh but I think that's also what makes it so great. And I think what made it so accessible was that you can dive as deep or as shallow into Star Wars as you want. You can walk into the theater and be amazed by the biz- visual spectacle of lightsabers and lasers and spaceships, everything blowing up. You can be amazed by that. Or you can deep get dive deep into these, you know, lore, into the lore, into the, you know... Like philosophy and philosophy, yeah, that's that's the word I was looking for. There. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you can, and I think that's why it's able to break in, because um, you know, there's sometimes like you feel like when you're watching some things, it's kind of like okay, well, and, and I think Marvel is almost getting to this point with the MCU. It's like if you haven't seen everything else, you're going to be totally lost when you get to this point. Yes, um, we are. Yes, we are approaching that point. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think. Doctor Strange 2 is going to be that point because I think if you haven't seen WandaVision and you haven't seen Spider-Man I think you're going to be what the hell is going on. Yeah, um, those yes, those two in particular, but yeah, but but with Star Wars, yeah, you well, although it is I will say with Star Wars it's funny in that this is the only this is pretty much the only Star Wars certainly movie that can stand alone and be okay. I think I, I think the standalone movies. Um yeah, but well I would say Rogue One doesn't. I mean Rogue One yeah. can't well Rogue One is a direct prequel to this right. movie. Um I think Solo could and really technically Phantom Menace can stand completely well, on its okay, own. yes. Yes. The, the, <laughs> that is, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, but that's also part of they didn't know is there going to be more Star Wars after this? And you know, remember George Lucas didn't think this movie was going to make any money. Um, right, so. and there, right, and there was the let me I should have looked up the book. Th- there was a a book that was written that was the original that's Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the well, and that's what gets interesting is what stuff go went into Empire, what stuff is totally scrapped, like both either from that book or just stuff they decided to do that that does 
well, really, it is kind of a retcon, but like really from a certain point of view. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I've, I haven't, I certainly haven't read it. I believe, yeah, there, there was some weird stuff in it. It would not have, I believe the story was that, I don't know if George Lucas wrote it or he, he pawned it off to somebody to write and he was going to pawn the whole movie off to somebody else to make in the idea that it wasn't supposed to be good. It was, yeah, I, I heard. It was just supposed to be a cash grab. Um, yeah, I, I heard something about that. Yeah, like I, I, I do remember hearing that it was there were kind of some weird out there uh, things in the book. Ralph McQuarrie did the cover for it. That's interesting. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so what? Uh, we're good. Yeah, so it, it was still very like it wasn't like it was a yeah like it was George Lucas and Ralph McQuarrie was involved. Huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it, interesting to see what. Well, obviously, that's not what happened. We didn't. Episode five is not Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, anything else on anything else on the um, influences, cultural influence? No, I think we're ready to jump into the stories, yeah. jump into the actual movie itself. Yeah, all right. Um, so, yeah, well, there, we're going to probably be using the word iconic. I'm probably going to be at least using the word iconic a lot. <laughs> uh, but, it, it certainly fits this movie. But the first five minutes, both the opening crawl and the first shot of the movie with Leia's, uh, Leia's cruiser and then Vader's Star Destroyer, it is one of the most iconic shots in a movie ever that has been mimicked and parodied and done over in various adaptations over and over again because it is that good of an introduction. It is, and it, like, it does, like, to a certain scale, it, it sets the scale of this movie. You know, right off the bat, here's, the, here's this spaceship, and, and it kind of looks big. You know, as uh, you know, Leia's ship is going by, but then here comes this monster, the Star Destroyer. That in, you know, the way they do that with the camera right below the model, and it takes up the entire screen. So now, it, it kind of sets the scale. It's and it from the right from the beginning, it's kind of setting up the long odds that the rebellion is going to be facing. Yeah, because then later in the movie, you're going to see oh, what the real threat is, and that dwarfs the Star Destroyer. Right. Right, yeah, it's yeah, it's like a great establishing shot. You 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 do start kind of in media of us, so to speak. I mispronounced that, but like, yeah, but you are like it opens. Stormtroopers are coming through the door, and that's probably the they they actually they hit some of the rebel soldiers, and that was that's probably the last time they were uh they, they hit anything in the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> Well, besides, I, I, I love how that's still a thing. We still make fun of stormtroopers for that. But Leia, in this movie, says they let us go. You know, they you, you remember that? It's like oh, they were they weren't supposed yes. to hit you, right? Um, right, but right because as Obi Wan later tells us, only Imperial stormtroopers could be so precise. <laughs> I guess well, they got some redemption in Rogue One. That's yeah. true. Yes, that's true. Yeah, because Rogue One made them. Rogue One did make them very cool. Like. It, 
they and and some of the variants do look cool, in particular the ones in Rogue One. Uh, everything about it. We'll, we'll get the, when we get to Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, everything, that's cool. <laughs> everything about Rogue One is cool. Um, yeah, visually that movie is just it's spectacular. But yeah, that's a whole different. <laughs> that will be a whole different episode. But but yeah, but then like just speaking about the stormtroopers. Okay, so here come in, you know, the white armor. You know, perfectly. You know, they all, all look exactly Nazi over like I don't want to say over, but you know, it, it, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they. Sh- there is a very large over. Exactly, and I think there, there's even something. You look at the uniforms. You know, the stormtroopers come in full armor, and then you know these guys are just kind of in clothes. You know, they don't have any armor. Not that the stormtrooper yeah. armor seems particularly helpful, but. But, but yeah, right. It doesn't do anything. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, interesting. So in on Vader, going back a little bit to him, it, it, he. Uh, well, I mean, my take is he is the greatest movie villain ever. I like. I'd hear argument like maybe in thirty. I don't know. Like in thirty years, if we're still talking about Thanos, but even then, like Thanos didn't have the same like the same. Thanos- didn't have like the presence. Like I never really, when you think about Thanos, I never was like, okay, yeah, he's just that much more powerful than every single Avenger. Um, I thought the last. Well, uh, okay, all right. I, I don't, I don't totally agree, but I, but not in the same way that. Yeah, yeah. Without getting into mcu stuff yeah I, I don't totally agree but i but you're right it's 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 different there are people that can there are more people that get stand up to thanos in the mcu than people that get stand up to vader in star wars and i think so that it's just looking at like thanos he's on this quest to you know make himself more powerful vader just is yes you know he doesn't yeah. need anything else and i think now that we're getting into like the comics and stuff but there's a whole arc in the comics uh after revenge of the sith where he gets his first lightsaber the whole or his sith lightsaber and then he has to just go on a rampage without one um to uh, get so, hmm. so it's basically just him using the force killing lots of yes um, <laughs> yeah and, that, and that's what it is he eventually has to track down a jedi master who was who survived um to kill him and take his saber, and then that will become his eventual Sith saber. Uh, but that—that's just—that's so much part of Vader's character is that he is—he is, you know, fear. He is um, power, strength, yeah, strength. Which, yeah, strength. And it's—it's it's, what's funny is he's only in the movie for eight minutes and six seconds. <laughs> the in, for in a New Hope. And, or roughly, and that's pretty. Which gets into like he he does a lot with his screen time. He James Earl Jones kills it, and he also he gets like really good lines. <laughs> yeah, he, he, the lines are written very well. He and even just like you know, obviously the voice of James Earl Jones is something, but David Prowse does carry the character very well. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, he he doesn't talk for the first like a minute he's on screen or something while he's just walking through the like all the corpses of the rebels or, and stormtroopers, and you're like, oh, this this guy's in charge. He's in charge, and I don't want to mess with him. 
Yeah, and then like you know, just one of the scarier scenes where he just you know the first time we see him force choke someone. Yes, you know he's not he's not speaking at all. There's not you know, it's just that until Tarkin tells him no more. Then it's just as you wish. Doesn't. And, and I think sometimes with Vader, just like it's the less is more with him. Yes, you know, agree. Yeah, he never uh, really monologues. Um, no, you know, I mean, like a little bit in Empire, but like that's not. I, I would say it's less it's, monologue-y. It's more a conversation, and yeah. then you kind of figure, or you know, at that point in Empire, that he's trying. He's not trying to kill Luke, right? Yeah, and, and so you kind of he does have to talk to kind of accomplish his goal, but that's. For another time again. Um, yes. I think we're, we're going to say that a lot today. Uh, that's that's for me. Uh, yes, that, that's going to be a theme throughout this whole podcast, this whole, like, all of these episodes is we're going to save that for that episode. But yeah, which is the great thing about Star Wars, in my opinion. But yeah, no, I agree though. Less is more. Uh, and it's interesting the going to Tarkin a touch the interplay between him and Tarkin, he obeys Tarkin in that scene, the as you wish. It's which is also brings the point that Tar Tarkin is Tarkin is the anta- the main antagonist of this particular movie. Uh, even though Vader is like the main like when you think of Star Wars and villains, you think first of Vader. For this movie Tarkin is structurally the antagonist. He is, and I think he is a very good just metaphor, or just he's a good representative of the Empire. Just very cold, calculating. Yes. Um, you know, I guess you, you don't really see that. You you never really see in the movies, at least, like at least in the original trilogy, the anger of the Empire. You know, God. Yeah, so there's, it's not like this anger. It's kind of just like this, you know, faceless entity that's there to destroy you. Um, and like after they destroy you, they're not going to celebrate. They're not going to, you know, throw a party or anything. It's just back to business. Um, right. And I think there's there's like a terror in that, that, you know, to make, if you think about it, like you're a rebel and what they want to do is they just want to crush you and your spirit, make you feel like you were insignificant. And I think that's what uh, I think that that's Tarkin's line: the insignificant rebellion. Um, yeah. uh, yes, and the uh, like d- destroying Alderaan to him is just a, it's a it's a checkbox on the list of things that might get Leia to talk. That's <laughs> exactly, and I think you see that you see the emotion Leia gives in that scene, and Tarkin's just like, "Yeah, you can fire when you're ready." Right? Um, yeah, he's like, "Yeah, okay, destroy the planet," and. Which, which speaks yeah. to Peter Cushing's yeah, he's so attitude, attitude about the character. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Although that 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 scene that that there are, yeah, there are some uh, so, some of the accents uh, in in that line in particular. The I uh, I call it Leia's foul stench line of <laughs> uh, the I don't know what quite accent that's supposed to be i mean a lot of the empire have like british accents but like kind of sort of british accents i believe that is what they go for a lot of the film was uh filmed in britain so 
Yeah, it makes sense. You get a lot of British. But, you get yeah. more British actors. Yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. It's, it's it's just funny, like when they try to like maybe it's just the layout. There's certain lines that line readings that are kind of funny. Luke has a lot of funny line readings, but <laughs> <laughs> which I I guess there we got to get to the you know we talked about the antagonist, the protagonist of yes. all Luke. <laughs> He's, yeah. Luke is like the kind of protagonist of all protagonists in some, in, in some ways, just in what he kind of represents as a character and culturally. He does. Like, really, he's, you know, and I think, obviously, it's Joseph Campbell's hero journey, ordinary person, call to action. You know, he rises up. Uh, right. But I think also, if you kind of, like, view him, he's, he's a very good vehicle for the audience. He's yes. this guy who's lived on this one planet his whole life. He knows there's more out there. And he I think that he wants to see it. And I think that's kind of how the audience feels too. Cause George Lucas definitely is less is more. He doesn't show or tell a lot of things. You think about the first 40 years of star Wars. Nobody has any idea what, what the Kessel run is, you know, like we don't like, you know, he just, Han Solo spits out this line. It's the ship that made the Kessel run in 14 parsecs or 12 or whatever it was. Um, right, which, which for, for, for however many, yeah. It's, and the, well, that's what I think world building wise, the original trilogy in particular, and a lot of it, this movie and Empire in particular, you get those subtle, a lot of those subtle world building things. Like, well, we'll talk about the Cantina, which is probably the best example of that. Uh, but, yeah, like those less is more. You see glimpses of things like all the aliens, and but and you can kind of get a sense of where they're from, but not entirely. But you don't need to know exactly. You don't need to know, and that's it. But you want to know, and I think that's what you get with Luke. Is you know he wants to see this galaxy, and then by the end of the movie, you know the audience wants to see more of this galaxy too. Um. And I think that's one of the things that really kind of plays the longevity as well of the Star yeah. Wars franchise and that there is more out there. This is this massive universe. You can make Star Wars for the next century. And, and, set, was, and set like 40% of the stories on Tatooine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I had yeah. to. At, at this point, yeah, but it's like, so you, you could do that and we'd still have more to tell. That's kind of set up so well in this first movie. Um, yeah. Yes. So that's- yes. Uh, yeah, I think the... I do want to just at least touch on the binary sunset scene. It is visually, like... Uh, George Lucas gets the visuals and the emotions they're supposed to evoke. That That's... That is what he is best at. And this is probably the main scene that visualizes that in this movie. Uh, and now John Williams' score does do a lot of the, it does a lot of the heavy lifting, but like for the entire saga, yeah, but, but yeah, for yeah, the whole saga. But um, but in particular, that really probably, right. he's back for Kenobi. Just yeah, yes. Oh, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. I- yeah, no, that's just that scene in particular. Because um, you see it, they do try to replicate it two other times. Um, but really, kind of three. You get it kind of in Phantom Menace. When, yeah. To a certain extent, when Anakin's leaving. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, there's a little bit of that. And then at the end of Revenge of the Sith and end of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's executed to varying degrees of... Uh... Yes. Revenge of the Sith was very successful in executing it, I think. Uh, the other is... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the others, particularly Rise of Skywalker. But <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> um, but yes, it... It, it really, and it encapsulates that's that what you're talking about with Luke. He wants to go out and see the galaxy and the twin suns, which to us on Earth, oh, like the planet has two suns. What's that all about? Like, are there more planets that have, I don't know, two or three suns <laughs> or something like that? It's such a simple thing. Just, okay, just add another sun. But then all right. of a sudden it makes this world just so much more alien. Um, and I think kind of the that point in the movie i guess we've seen the jawas at that point and we've seen the droids but we really haven't seen anything ridiculously alien no but the tuscan raiders would be the most probably the most alien looking but but at that point they're still very humanoid you know? right yes yes, yes. They, it's like okay yeah, that's even in universe we still haven't really gotten a great answer about this of like what's under right. the uh the mat or you know the robes yeah so yeah but it's just like one of those things that's like it, it's, it's one of those things that takes you out of it and it's like oh this is definitely not on earth you know what i mean um this yeah. is unfamiliar yeah which works really well so should we any yeah i mean we can i guess we can talk more about well, Luke, so I guess he, he does get kind of his mini arc. Not mini arc, it is a full arc, because he ends up by the movie accepting the Force for all intents and purposes. And I, I, really, I really liked, like on this last rewatch, I, I appreciated Alec Guinness more than I like had previously, I think, when I rewatching for this last rewatch. And, I mean... Yeah, if we just want to get into Obi Wan there. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess we can just. I guess we can just get into Obi. Like, I, I, do you have anything in particular for more for Luke? I mean, he he does cool things. I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll be touching on him again. But yeah, I think just it it is kind of he starts to introduce us, and I think when we get to the concept of the Force, yes, and and I really think Alec Guinness pulls this off in such a way to make it such a mysterious thing that like for a second there, you're not even thinking that, Oh, this thing is called the force. Like that's just kind of, if you take yourself out of it for a second, it's just like, Oh, you couldn't think of like a name for, yes, it's, 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 <laughs> it's just, Oh, it's just the force. It's, it's, a little, it's, it's like in like how, uh, the evil mountain, the main evil mountain in Lord of the Rings, uh, it's, I mean, it has an elvish name, but it's called Mount Doom. It's like that type of <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's like one of those things. Like, oh, it's just the Force. That's what we're calling it. That's what we went with. But then it's just, but it's kind of like the way he delivers that again I, with you know the John Williams score coming in. Both of those things, his performance, the music, it, it immediately creates this mystery around what is this thing, right? And then well, and his. His, what I, well, I would say is his main intro scene where they're in his hut. That's, well, it created the prequel. 
that conversation created the prequels and the Clone Wars and pretty much everything that happens before episode four. <laughs> pretty much single-handedly. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's one of these things that's we like... Got a five-minute yeah. scene. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, well, really, it's like almost one throwaway line. It's like, Clone Wars with your father. It's like, okay, again, who on Earth knows what the Clone Wars are? You know? Who knows what any of that is supposed to mean until however many years later we get Attack of the Clones. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, one of these things, but it, again, it creates this larger universe. There is more here. Yes. And I, I do, and I, I am biased because of how much I love Star Wars, but I think Obi-Wan is the best he's 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 probably my favorite kind of execution of the mentor or okay let me phrase that rephrase that he 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 is kind of the first person i think of when i think of the old wizened wizard mentor uh more so because of how directly he is kind of impacted with how directly he impacts luke like like more than gandalf does the hobbits and lord of the rings um, like Gandalf isn't training the hobbits per se to do anything. Like Obi-Wan is training Luke to become a Jedi. Uh, but he but he is still involved in these in the events, like in the plot. Like he so like I, I think his relationship with like he's kind of and I think a lot of that is credit to Alec Guinness uh for giving weight to some of those mentor teaching scenes. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it's and in and, and a way, he's he's less teaching. He's more exposing Luke. Yes. Okay. He, yes. He's, he's oh, well. It is teaching in a way. He's opening these doors. You know, because because obviously Luke is not really he's not a Jedi by the time no. by the end of the movie. <laughs> you know, no. he's not the end of the movie, but he's definitely showing Luke like this is the power inside of you. You know, go forth into the galaxy and start your your journey. Um, yeah. Until his journey, you know, because you kind of see it. He goes on this massive journey, and I think, you know, we're still seeing that journey play out um, all the way up until The Last Jedi. Yes. He is on this path, and I think you could look from the point where he begins to the point where his journey kind of comes to its final conclusion. Because, and, and uh, we can get to this. We'll get to that then about the end of Luke's journey. Yes, and well, yeah, and there's like also complication. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. So, and I think yeah, that. Go ahead. Yeah, so that's you know where kind of I think Obi Wan fits in, but then he does later as as we get through the movie, he kind of shows. He also kind of I guess he shows Luke the power. Obviously, he shows him what's out there, but he also kind of shows it in action. You know, he's the. Uh, you know, he shows the lightsaber in action. He shows the power of the Jedi. Um, you know, you kind of see this old man. How is this old man the most advanced battle station ever created? I'm it's sorry, you, you cut off for one second. So you said, how is this old man? Like sneaking around the most advanced battle station ever created. Right. You know, enough to the point where he's getting into the, you know, secure areas to disable the tractor beam. 
you know, and it's just uh, it's, right. it's the force. Right. Well, well, now you're talking about the, the, the force and that wisdom, and it's his line when Han's like, "We should just blast our way out and know there are alternatives to fighting." And, uh, now, he, ironically, he does end up fighting, but but how they actually escape is because of his alternative. Exactly. Um, and really, his his fight is purely to let them escape. Yes. Yeah, because um, yeah, he he had uh, Obi Wan by at that point Obi Wan fulfilled his mission. Luke is ready. Luke is ready, and the rebellion is as ready as they're going to be to like make a legitimate go at taking down the Empire. Yeah, exactly, and and that's a good way to put it. Like you look at his mission, especially with the benefit of having Obi Wan's. Well, it was complete until they announced. The miniseries, um, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Not complaining that we're getting more of his story, but um, you know, you get to see you know his what was his mission. You know, especially when you do look at Revenge of the Sith, this peaceful resilience that he knows he is not the one that can finish this fight. His mission is to you know inspire the one who will. Yeah. Yeah, which he definitely does by the end of this movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, I guess where are we? Th- are we in the movie right now? I guess um, we're like on the. <laughs> I mean, if we're actually we're like on the Death Star. If we're, I guess, if we're actually tracking what we've been talking about, but we can just talk about go back and talk about Han. And yeah, I think because Han is definitely such a pivotal part, obviously, to the movie. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that, yeah, that he's also, he's a foil to Luke in a lot of ways, which is interesting because he's and also... To, a, and to Obi-Wan, almost. Yes, and to Obi-Wan, yeah. I think, because I, I guess if you kind of look at it, it's almost like the angel and the devil on the shoulders for Luke. You got, you know, Obi-Wan, take up the bigger mantle, you know, learn the ways of the Force, you will become a leader in this movement to restore balance to the galaxy, and Han... Screw it, kid. Take the money and let's go. Right. Yes, pr- pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what a great intro for Han as just a character in the uh, in the cantina, which uh, which is pro- is st- starting with uh, probably our first big controversial Star Wars thing would be the the Han scene. But uh, and does he or does he not shoot first? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he did shoot first. He, he, did. he, he, he did. <laughs> it's a, uh, he did, but it's, it's a better scene when he does. Yes. Um, oh, it, it is a much, it is a better scene when he does. <laughs> I mean, especially, you know, in some ways you do see it in solo. He shoots first. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they want to is, <laughs> and as what's the guy say, like, that's the smartest thing you could have done right there. Um, yeah, there. Okay, there is something to be said for kind of the meta interplay between certain between decisions that Disney made and presumably both perceived and real reaction fan reaction to things that George Lucas did with, from like a, from like Phantom Menace to like kind of the prequels in general. Yeah. Uh, well, and kind of just all the various changes he made, but yeah, that that is one of those things that Disney did. That's like, hey, look, we know you, we get it. You didn't like it. Here's a little wink, wink at 
that thing you didn't like. <laughs> but yeah, but like you said, this is like the perfect opening for Han. Um, actually, in a deleted scene, when they first walk in, he is uh, kind of getting it on with a girl in that booth. Um, oh, I need to... That's funny. <laughs> uh, it was part of, again, another Star Wars celebration panel where they unearth a bunch of lost footage, cutscenes from the uh, from the original. Um, there's Luke at Tashi Station. Um, uh, wait, that's a scene that exists? Yeah, it's a scene. It's actually... When you when you get into that scene, it's it's pretty cool. So it's Luke gets to Tashi Station. He actually sees the battle between the Star Destroyer and Leia's, Leia's ship through his binoculars. And then he goes in, he's telling all his friends, and they're all like, shut up, Luke, you don't know what you're talking about. But that's actually where the first time we see Biggs. Oh my gosh. Right, which I'll need to... <sighs> you need to look it up, because like, this is where Biggs tells Luke that he's going off um, to join the Rebellion. The Rebellion, yeah. Um, which I think also, because kind of, you do... Because at the end of the movie, when Biggs comes in, he definitely doesn't have the significance that he was meant to have. Um, yeah, I, both him, yeah, both, yeah, he, he doesn't really leave an impact because he's not, I mean, at least in theatrical or, well, I shouldn't even say theatrical now. I watched the Blu-ray, so the Blu-ray cut of the movie, <laughs> he, he, most recently, he, he, he doesn't leave a huge impact. But yeah, seeing him earlier would have, could have done that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, because you kind of, if you're not paying super close attention, you don't realize that they, I mean, you kind of realize they know each other, but he definitely, he can, if you're not like paying close enough attention, he'll get lost with all the other pilots. Like, who's this? Was this the one Luke was talking to before, before the attack? Right. Yeah. So you kind of get to that. So, but that, that was a deleted part of those deleted scenes that they unearthed with. I want to say it was. It was in the 2000s when they first showed those foot that footage, I think. Really? Wow. It was, it was years after the time. <laughs> um, you, know, you think about it, like back on VHS, they didn't have you know the DVD extras back then. Right. Yeah, you're right. They, they were. So I think it was very literally lost footage that they were just like, oh, hey, we found this. Yeah, show it to everybody at Celebration. They'll, they'll appreciate it. Um, yeah, that is really cool. So, oh, yeah. So, Back to Han. Um, you yes. walk in. Harrison Ford is just sitting there like the coolest dude in the galaxy. Um, it, it, it is, and it, he feels very different even in that scene from any other point in the, in the series. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he does, and then there's also just, you get this feeling from Obi-Wan that he's not taking him seriously. Um, that this guy's like, Full of himself, right? Whereas Luke, Luke totally was gonna like Luke. He 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 could have eventually sold Luke on whatever he wanted. <laughs> Obi Wan weren't there. As to a certain extent, Luke wanted to be him. Yeah, you, know, you think about here's this cool dude. You know, he has his own ship, riding around the galaxy. You know, um, kind of. That, that, that's what Luke wants. He wants that adventure. He wants off Tatooine. Uh, he never wants to think about it again. Um, and then here comes this opportunity to to do that. And now he kind of has these two kind of competing uh, forces in his life. Yes. And of course, we meet Chewbacca here, too. Um, but yes, Chewie is in the scene. Uh, also, so is the uh, the one instance of lightsabers not cauterizing. 
yeah. a, a limb and our first uh i think it should be our first uh dismemberment <laughs> first like dismemberment paper. that uh remained a trend i i don't think we made it through the sequel trilogy with somebody losing a limb in every i think you're right i'd have to double check but i i, 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 want, I want to say the force awakens there is not a dismemberment yeah i don't think so um there is apparently a a deleted scene where Chewie rips someone's arm off, though. So, oh come on! Oh well, <laughs> it was. Uh, if if you saw whose arm he ripped off, it would not have worked, just because for for legitimate plot reasons, that person should not have been in that place. Ah, uh, uh, okay, okay. I can. I have a guess, but that makes sense. <laughs> it, it was Uncar Plutt, the guy from Jakku, but he oh. gets his, he gets his arm ripped off at Maz's castle. Oh, okay. That's so then you're trying to figure out how did he get from Jakku to Maz's castle, right? To get, yeah, to get his arm ripped off, right? Yeah, because you're you're already figuring out how did something else get into Maz's castle at that point, but yeah, <laughs> discussion for Force Awakens. But anyways, yeah, um, yeah, it is, and it's it's interesting that I, they never went back and for all the changes that they've made to the movies since 1977, they never went back and cauterized that. Although maybe it's because they couldn't really, they couldn't go back and just cauterize the wound without, like, because they would have to almost, like, re-edit. I don't know what, well. It seems, I, I think they've read Condit and Lore as saying for that species, they won't have cauterized wounds. <laughs> I, that's, I could see that. I think that's I don't know if that's actually canon or if that's just something somebody made up because they got asked at a convention or something. It's like, oh, that species doesn't cauterize. Yeah, yes, I don't know. You, I'm sure you could find some sort of expanded universe, something or other, where that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's Disney or not, but yeah, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. That Han is and Harrison Ford kills it. That's him and Al Guinness are the best. Well, I don't know. I can't even say that because Peter Cushing is also stellar. Really, the whole cast is very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Like let let Leia, Luke and Leia have like some like corny lines, and like Luke has some kind of funny read line reads, but like, but it's charming and it works. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it. But I think it's, you know, I think he, you know, they're they're nineteen year old kids. They're not going to be. As put together as, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, so that's Han. Um, we should talk about Leia. Unless you have anything else on Han. No, I think that's where Han's at at this point. Um, then we move on to. No, well, I guess we 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 kind of skipped over Leia in the opening. Um, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, she she throughout the movie she kind of just functions as. I mean, she is the she is literally the damsel in distress for at least for most of the movie. Um, he is, but she does bring a different perspective to that character. Oh, you yes. Because she, she I, You know, the damsel in distress who did murder a stormtrooper. Right. And she act, right. And she actively like resists the whole time. She actively resists. She plays just as much a part in her rescue as, well, oh. I mean, I guess. You know, she's she's the one that gets him in the trash compactor. Yes, she's, right. They they weren't making that of it if they didn't go into the trash compactor. Um, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you you definitely see she's not this. Oh, come help me! It's 
this very quiet, like this defiance is kind of the word. She's defiant of everything. She's kind of, you know, like Luke, Luke thinks like he's going to be the great hero. I'm going to rescue the damsel in distress. She's just like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she's not interested in, uh, you know, in any of that. And she's not interested in being the damsel. She's, she's a soldier. Um, so, and, yeah, uh, but and, I was going to say, and you do see this like in the opening scene, everybody else who's kind of cowering around Vader, Vader has at the first time they interact with each other, he's, you know, he just choked a dude and, you know, threw him across the room. Oh, yeah. And then here comes Leia. Leia doesn't back down at all. She basically just yells at him as soon as they, yeah, <laughs> as soon as exactly. they and, and I think there is something, you know, just about that power you think about what vader does to people he doesn't touch leia you know he doesn't choke her he doesn't threaten to kill her he just kind of wags his finger in her face and i think that's kind of a symbol of her status of her of her strength that she doesn't back down and she kind of she knows vader can't touch him or touch her no that that, that's a good point yeah yeah at least until they're on the death star and he has his like basically permission to torture her yeah, exactly. Like he needs to go to Tarkin before he thinks yeah. he can do anything. Um, so yeah, no, she she is really like she and she is she is good throughout the movie, and she gets but even better when she gets to interact with Han and Luke, uh, and basically put them in their place. Yeah, exactly. Um, definitely, definitely knocks them down a peg. Yeah, cer- certainly Han more certainly Han because he yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, he kind of did. He kind of did, and I think that's. I guess if we get into character motivations, I almost feel like Leia. What Leia does to Han probably has more an effect on uh, his decision at the end of the movie to come back. You know. Yes. Or she kind of calls him out. Oh, you're just all about the money. Blah blah blah. You know. Yeah, but it it, it works. It does. It does, and I think that's maybe sometimes overlooked. Um, yeah, her. But, yeah. but um, I think I think that's like it for character. Uh, the only things we should we should talk about the lightsaber fight. Yes, um, well, let's just talk about the Death Star. Or, yeah, the whole. So I think there's a. I guess just to start off, you see the the splitting up of the party, and symbolically, this is the first part of Obi Wan pushing, kind of pushing Luke out into the world, and saying, yeah. like, I've, "I've started you on this path." It's yours now. Um, and I think so you get that right off the bat, along with just, you know, I think something that we haven't been touching on enough is just the adventure of this all, you know? Yeah, oh, they're yes. just them hiding in the smugglers' compartments. They're stealing uniforms, sneaking around. But I, the sequence of a Han talking to the Stormtrooper in the intercom is, is it is very funny. The, the, that, that, that is one of the like, really good humor moments of the, uh, of the movie. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I, everything's okay up here. How, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> that, that's not, that's not the exact quote, but <laughs> no, that, that, that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically yeah, you, you get that split up and then you get, you know, of course we kind of touched on this. You get Obi-Wan getting off into his business. You get, uh, you know, to a certain extent you did, you get, uh, well, the, the first time three, the first time R2 saves everybody. <laughs> The first time, but also you get the first time that Luke, in a way, takes initiative for the adventure 
and takes the initiative on his path. Because that's, that's a good point. Because Han does not want to go rescue Leia, and he convinces Han to do that. He convinces Han to do it, and it's also you think about it. Obi Wan doesn't know Leia's there. Right? You know? Yeah, he has no idea. He has. No, I mean, maybe he like knows through the Force. You know, I mean, if we wouldn't kind of get into that, maybe he does. He does feel that, and he kind of feels like, oh, hey, this is the moment where you know, the Skywalker twins come back together, you know, and that's in some ways almost like a, a double whammy on his mission. He kind of gets the bonus points like, oh, I got got Luke off on his journey and I got him linked to the sister. So I think, you know, this is the first time we kind of see Luke make an affirmative decision and not just go along for the ride. Yeah, no, that, that yeah, that that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that uh, point, of, point of view before, but yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. like you said, we do get to the uh, the showdown. Yes, um, and, and it's interesting because it's not the climax of the movie. Like this is the end of Act Two, uh, which something we I, I didn't touch on is that Star Wars is in or a New Hope, I should say, is in large part uh, like it, it certainly did the most. I don't know, uh, someone that's much more into movies than I could, could point this out, or certainly point could point this out, but that it certainly popularized the three-act structure. And is like, you... I know I know it's, like, like anecdotally, I know that it's, like... I've heard that it's used to teach, like, how to use the three-act structure, at least, like, in, like, in like Cinema 101 classes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It does kind of have these three very definitive points in the movie. You know, you have that... Uh, you know, you... On Tatooine, get off Tatooine, get to the Death Star, attack the Death Star. I think another thing is it does kind of, at least from a cinematic perspective, it kind of keeps you within the parameters of, remember, this is a two-hour movie, you know, like you go a little over, but when we get into four hours, Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, you're going to be losing people. People aren't going to want to stick around for all of that. Yes. Um, which even like me as a kid watching this movie, I, there were parts where I remember being like, "Oh, now they're in the trash compactor," and all right, he's having dinner with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah, I think that's just a something about older movies. They're not. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that is a yeah, that's a when you're a kid thing, and also the older, an older movie pacing thing. Because I guess, like, when you compare it to something like The Force Awakens, which is very similarly structured. Yes. <laughs> um, Who could say you know, that? It's very similarly structured, but they're off Jakku in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah, not... they're, they're off Jakku. They're also, the adventures on Jakku are a little more action-packed. Yes. It's... Than just, you know, because there's really no action until, like, the 10 seconds... I mean, there's action, but not like, like before, when, right before they leave. Yeah, like they get they get shot at like, as they're leaving. Yeah, um, but you know, at that point in Force Awakens, you've had you know a space battle, you know the village attack, and now you're yeah. in another. It's more certainly a ship dogfight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're in a dogfight, and you got explosions. You got the stormtroopers on the ground. It's, yeah, there's a lot more action, but I think that is just a product, more a product of uh, modern movie making. Well, yeah, just yeah, movie making and 
choices and pacing. Mm-hmm. What? But anyways, anyways, yes, the uh, yeah, the lightsaber fight. Yeah, it's interesting that yeah, it's not the climax of the movie. Which going forward, there would all it's, well, there would usually be a lightsaber fight associated with the climax of a Star Wars movie for pretty much all of them after this. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, um, Last Jedi is weird, but that's Last Jedi has a yeah. I guess the climax of Last Jedi is a little yeah. Non, it's non traditional. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Because kind of, I guess you could say like the consequences of that lightsaber fight occur before the fight. Yes, to a certain extent. Um, yes, yes, yeah. I get what saying. Um, yeah, but, it's, I mean it. it it's. It's the dialogue that pe- so this but this lightsaber fight between Obi Wan and Vader is the dialogue that people are picking apart in the lead up to Kenobi. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I think there's still a lot of room for Kenobi to work without breaking the dialogue. I, I, I agree. It's the, a lot of the dialogue in, is intentionally vague in this movie. It is and, vaguer gut. Yeah. So, well, I guess just like. The point of the fight we get to this like what is what is the significant it's it's the first time we kind of see the actual conflict between the dark and the light yes um in, in in the force we get to see these two uh you know opposing foes the first and, and, and just like a little thing which you kind of realize like the the different colored lightsabers yes it's it's it, it it's it's a little thing but like it really works. One well, visually, it starts to really work well later on. But yes, yeah, exactly. So that's you know just a little thing. You get the little bit of dialogue. You know, the fight is not spectacular. On no, uh, it, it is what it is. When, <laughs> when you see it again, because it, like as a kid, when you see it, like the laser sword smacking together, you kind of see it the second time, or when you see it older, it's like oh, that's uh. It's almost like the one thing in this movie that doesn't hold up over time. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot, yeah. Uh, well, and it is interesting because it, it is the one that's the the closest, at least in the live action movies, to the more traditional like samurai fight that Lucas was going for, uh, where it's kind of more minimalist. Uh, although Obi Wan does have that spin. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is great, but. <laughs> But yeah, so it's that. But it it is minimalist. But it, it's more focused on the dialogue. It does. It is something that I think is helped by the prequels and their existence. Yes. When you, when you watch, and now you do have the backstory of Anakin and Obi Wan. Yes. And, the, like, and all the you know Star Wars stories between the two of them, between the movies, between everything. The more of that, because there's so much depth to it. Even I haven't read all of it. But when you understand, the more you understand that, the more significance that fight takes on for those two characters personally. Because oh. I guess when the movie first comes out, it's kind of just it's more theoretical. Right, it's like these archetypes of I don't know, like the the student turned to the dark side and is coming up is going to fight his fight his master again, and they're kind of these represent these archetypes that are characters, but not yet in a way. Yeah, they're not. I mean, Vader is not really a character at this point. He is a figure. He is just this scary creature. We don't know who he is. Right. Yeah. You know, we we don't know what's under that armor. The first time when it first comes out, 
when you find out who is in the armor in the suit that's when that fight takes on more significance so it does get that help there but yes and then it also leads into the first real first real demonstration of the power of the force yes when, when you know strike me down i will, be I will come. yes <laughs> become more powerful than you could possibly imagine and then you just kind of see how that works he gets run through the lightsaber and there's no body you know, and you're kind of sitting there wondering like wait hold on yeah, and, oh, and, and Vader's clearly confused because he kind of starts walking around and trying to figure out, wait, where'd he, where'd he go? I, I've, done, I've done this plenty of times before. He should still be here. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's, you know, a, such, just such a huge... Because then all of a sudden in the audience, it's kind of like you realize, oh, he sacrificed himself. But then it's also like, but wait, where'd he go? Did he really? And, and they do kind of tease this just with the, the run Luke. Um, yes. lion he throws in there it's like oh, wait hold on we just saw him die but he just spoke right, so, right, like, what's, what's going on here and right. he's, he's somehow still here somehow in some capacity and so you start to wonder okay what is this what's this old wizard up to and, yeah. and I think that does it opens the door to the power and the mystery of the force Yes, because yeah, because because up until yeah, because even until then we didn't really see. I mean, what Obi Wan does the trick with the um. Well, you get the sequence on um when he tricks the stormtroopers both on the Death Star and at Mos Eisley, and then you see like Luke kind of using it a little bit when he's training on the Falcon. Uh, but so yeah, he's at the it's, uh, the first big example. Yeah, maybe the. I said the mind trick, maybe. I was going to say the thousand voices or how many voices screaming out at once. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that's but, good. But again, like, I guess that's this is kind of the first time you see like a person being able to use the force in like a monumental way um, to theoretically cheat death. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the audience, you kind of don't know exactly what happened. But again, the mystery of the force is what I think makes it such a powerful tool. Um, for the storytellers, yeah, which like it, it's a very I'll say soft magic system, but they like oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of thing about Sanderson, the Sanderson laws of magic, but it 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 works with because with how the characters solve the problems. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh. The battle of so yeah, and well, oh, also like his death is kind of it's significant it's a big hero's journey step and like when you're a kid it's sad it's like oh obi-wan's gone yeah when you're luke you're really you know completely heartbroken while your sister's sitting there having just lost your planet um right <laughs> yes I, I saw that meme uh, recently maybe i don't know like the, oh did the old old man you just met yesterday die <laughs> i just lost a whole how many billion people on my home planet right um, <laughs> But yeah, so then we get to the battle, the final, the climax of the movie. Um, and I will just start by saying the best scored scene in movie history. Oh boy, uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have words when we get when, when we do Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith. But go well, ahead. <laughs> I, I guess like when when you hear that, like if you just hear the piece, you hear. It's it's more because it's not because it's the best musical piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I get what you're saying. It yeah. Hits every scene, and you if you you can just listen to it, and if you've seen the movie as many times as we have, 
you can kind of see like you can close your eyes and you can see where are they now yes you know, I, what are they doing now and i think yes. that it does no, it helps so much especially you know we talked about how amazing the visual effects were but there were certainly limitations yeah, on what you can do right and this is probably the scene that uses the most amount of those tricks that they had to use and such yeah exactly but even then you know you can't have these crazy you know because i guess you know top gun isn't out at that point but you don't have a real x-wing that you can go up and strap a camera to. no yeah, yeah, right, like, yeah. Top, top gun had we're, that yeah we're like 10 years what 10 ish give or mind give or take a couple years away from top years away from top gun <laughs> at this point yeah yeah I, I don't know Lady, now, now we're finally getting our top gun remake so sequel um yeah uh, <laughs> which shocked that it took them in the song but anyways <laughs> yeah um so yeah but the so anyways i think the musical score for the whole thing helps elevate it helps i guess smooth over the limitations of the effects especially when you kind of i guess the best comparison for it would be to rogue one you know the the, the fight you see in rogue one which uh, uh, hmm. the, the the space battle at the end? Oh you know, the, yes, the attack on the shield gate, the battle yeah. between the ships, the star yeah. destroyers. You know, you see, they're clearly not limited by technology there. Oh, oh yes, yes, I got what you're saying. What yeah. what the X wings can do, the maneuvers you can show. Yes, you, know, you, you show them, you know, dipping and diving between the structures of the, yes. uh, you know, flying alongside the ships. Um, you know the the star destroyers and stuff. You don't get that in a New Hope as much. Um, yeah, like, yeah like you said. know the maneuvers are very slow. They're very how do I want to put this? They're very well, deliberate. Yeah, um, and, and and a lot of the tension from what's happening when they're making the maneuvers comes from like you said the music, the di- the dialogue. Uh, like they, they are kind of in some degrees they like narr- they're narrating what's kind of happening like they'll say oh i'm going in for a run like which does help when it's a little un- could be unclear like what is the actual run that they're going on and oh okay now we're in the quarter <laughs> exactly yeah and i think then there's like when you look at the actual trench run they're kind of, they're not maneuvering right <laughs> they're just kind of flying straight it's like, okay well, like if, if you like thought about that but then you get the music on top of it and that it adds that tension like you said and that's now okay. That's where this is coming. Yeah, no, that that's I. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I, I would accept your. Uh, I would accept your statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. God, if, if you made a top ten list, a lot of Star Wars. Oh yes, well, but, yeah, because the oftentimes the best parts of Star Wars are the audio visual components. Not that's not like a knock at like the well, we can get into the writing and dialogue with some of the other movies, but like, <laughs> like the the music and the visuals sell it well enough in a lot of sequences. John Williams in a lot of, in particular, in a lot of scenes. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's what takes this movie to a different level. This is just another sci-fi movie up and until you add the. I mean, not just another sci-fi movie, but it's definitely not. It's not what it is without the um, the score. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, well, yeah, and we get Luke's his big hero's journey moment for this movie when he switches off his targeting computer, and, and that's what lets him that's what lets them win. Yeah, exactly. I, so you get this first, and then again, it comes into the mystery, of the Force. You know, it's just this thing Luke doesn't understand it. We certainly, the audience doesn't understand it. But well, hold on, how's Obi Wan back? Where's his voice coming from? And yes. then all of a sudden, it's he uses the Force. Um, in the first significant way we see Luke. Yes, yeah, for Luke, certainly. Uh, I do love that Tarkin never thought they were going to lose, even, like, his very his last shot, he's kind of just looking out pensively, and then the Death Star explodes. Exactly, yeah, and that just, it speaks to his character, and then, again, you kind of see from that, that coldness, this arrogance that ultimately turns out to be the fatal flaw of Tarkin. Yeah. Um, and again, benefiting from the expansion of the universe over the years, the more you get to know Tarkin, the more you see that. Um, the coldness, and, calculating. And eventually arrogance. And it's really not until he comes up against an opponent, you know, who has something like the, who has the force on their side, because he really doesn't, you know. Right, because even though him and Vader are, like, are rivals, there isn't, there, there's still trying to accomplish ultimately the same big picture things. Exactly. So he'd never, he has this arrogance and it turns out to be his fatal flaw. Cause he, uh, I believe in the comics there is whichever of the officers tells him there's a risk did end up leaving the death star hopped on a shuttle. That's great. <laughs> hopped on a shuttle and got out of there. He's like, um, yeah, that's, that's great. And, then, like you say, so, so it's over. So you kind of think at that point, oh, okay, oh, this is this is where you can wrap up this movie. Um, you know, you kind of you get a very ambiguous. You leave Vader in a very ambiguous place. If you know somebody said, oh yeah, Vader died after crashing after the Death Star, you would believe that. Right, um, right, yeah, like yeah, like it, it's like you see him kind of sailing off, but it's it's I buy it if he had died. Yeah. Um, it, it almost makes more sense if, but we can't do it. But then you couldn't have that magical F word franchise. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Chewie, Chewie doesn't get his medal. That's, uh, <laughs> until, until yes. 2019, 40 yes. something years later in, I guess the redeeming part of that movie. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, again, cross that bridge there. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I think. But, do you have anything else for this in terms of like the plot or characters? No, I think like again, this is more the Big Bang. It puts the Star Wars universe out into existence. The depth comes later. The yes. depth really comes in with Empire, and that's so. There, there'll be more lore discussion there yes yeah and i yeah and this is this is like the like it's not my favorite star wars movie but of all of them but it is the movie that like i wouldn't be the geek or nerd or arguably person that i am today like without this movie and how much it inspired uh, kind of kickstarted my interest in lots of different science fiction and fantasy stuff yeah, this one this one is my favorite because to me 
at the end of the day, if there's one word to describe it, it's fun. Yes. No matter no matter what, any point you pick up this movie, it's just it's a fun movie. And I think, you know, when we do talk about Force Awakens, how it's incredibly similarly structured, I got the same feeling from Force Awakens. This yes. is a fun movie. Yes. You know, it's, it's less concerned with lore. It's more concerned with the adventure. And I think that definitely gives a lot of points to it. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's people's people's biggest issues with the prequels probably at a high level come down to it's not like I mean you could debate this point, but like a lot of people's issue would be they're not as much fun. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. They're they're not as much fun. They definitely yeah. and, and I think it's not that lore can't be fun or that lore can't be good. No, right. But sometimes when there's not enough relief from that, it gets heavy. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's where you run into issues. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll have lots of discussions about that when we get there. But um all right. Well, did we uh, want to talk about the, the cinematic preservation? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, these in particular the original trilogy being um Remastered and re-edited by George Lucas multiple times. Um, yeah, I guess. Go ahead. I think there is part of me that is, I mean, for, like the part of me that cares about lore and stuff. You know, okay, one version that's the definitive one that happens in quote unquote canon, <laughs> but not really like that. Certainly, that really matters because you, you do see, uh, is it Pablo Hidalgo on the story group? at Lucasfilm, you know, when he, when he talks about what is now referred to as Star Wars Legends, he says, if you want to go read those books, go read those books because they're great. You know, don't don't let yourself get so hung up on what's canon and what's not. So it kind of, you know, doesn't matter as much for that. But I think there is part of me, as just as a film lover, I want to see that piece of history that is yes. the original, you know, release of this movie. Yes, that I, I agree with that. The, the lore stuff is, you know, Star Wars has been contradicting itself since Empire Strikes Back. If you really want to get, like, that nitpicky. And so, yeah, like you said, the lore stuff, it doesn't, like, it does and it doesn't matter. But, yeah, like, there isn't thing, like, the biggest thing that I know is, in, in, is like, the, the most isolated sequence where they have, digital, they have digitally added lots of different aliens some of them are interesting. Some of them definitely look very out of place. <laughs> yeah, there's like one part of it where there's like a CGI creature just covering the entire camera. Yes, it's like they're in this. Yeah, they're in the land speeder. Yeah, and it's like nah, that definitely wasn't in the original, and it's definitely CG. It is, and I think maybe part of it is that at the point the special editions were made, like we were talking about earlier. What really helps these movies is that the original effects look really good because they're real. And wow. then when but CGI advances quickly. And so at the point those CG characters were added in, they weren't great for the time, and they're certainly not holding up today. Right. And I think it kind of breaks that immersion that the practical effects really gave it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another point on that... Okay, wasn't Jabba in the original version like just a 
guy. Yeah, it was a big, uh, like, Scottish dude. Yeah, and that's why the line, like, Jabba, you're a wonderful human being, he's literally just a human. In that. He was uh, he was also not in the original cut. I, yeah, I also remember that. Yeah, I also remember Jabba does not appear until um, Return of Jedi. the Jedi. And yeah, then he's... And Boba Fett was not, obviously, not there either. Yeah, Boba that was something I... Maybe I, I more definitively noticed this time i was like oh you're you're definitely not in the original version of this <laughs> no yeah boba fett would end up making his first appearance in the uh, holiday special wait is that uh, all right so we again I, piece of piece of star wars i'm sure it's out there i'm sure so it's i am i have never seen it should we do it i i have not <laughs> seen it either um I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for christmas um we'll watch it okay, during, let's, let's... during the holidays um we'll throw a big party for it yeah <laughs> all right anyways um yeah i yeah it is it is interesting just to track what changed in the different versions <laughs> uh obviously well the big one yeah, is we already talked about the haunt shot first mm-hmm. and really i guess that's probably the only canon thing that would change right I can't think of much. I mean, really, like the the Java scene is more a deleted scene that got re-added because it yeah, really was like it was originally shot there, um, right? And that and that doesn't break anything. Like it's like it's not like the uh, it's not like the general grievous. You're shorter than I expected. Where now we have to do a whole show making sure the two characters don't meet. Like it's nothing like that. Yeah, um, and they pulled it off. Um, but yeah, oh, no, 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 they did. No, they they did. I, I just, I just, yeah, there's nothing in this movie on that level. <laughs> yeah, and I do think to a certain extent it does. I think the Java scene enhances Empire more because it does show that there is a Han has issues. You know, he's yes. got people after him, which ends up playing in bigger in Empire. Yeah, there is a little bit of maybe this is more of an Empire discussion. We can get, but a little bit of couldn't Han have just like gone off and paid Jabba and then come right back. Cause there's a big time jump between empire and a new hope and empire. You know, I'm pretty sure there's comics that cover that. Okay. I, I read them at some point. There probably are. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Well, I guess they weren't, they were kind of, they were on the run after this movie. Um, it's true. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they did have the empire on their tail the whole time. So, yeah, Han would have had to have shaken the Empire off, gone to Jabba, paid him off, and then gone back. Um, so, yeah. yeah I don't... Well, that, that's a good point. All right. Uh, I think should be good. Um, that's a good spot for now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so we will. Yeah. So we're going to be going through every movie or every live action movie. Uh, so we're not, all... we're not doing the animated Clone Wars? I think. <laughs> That's a whole anything any ancillary stuff would be a post Rise of Skywalker discussion, uh, right? Uh, I, I'm I'm open to potentially doing like more stuff after that, but I, I would want to yeah, let's, maybe, maybe just an overview of the Clone Wars and Rebels series. Yeah, not, we don't have to give. Not that the Clone Wars movie was bad, but it's not. I don't. I wouldn't want to. It wouldn't be a pretty episode to record. 
we'll put it that way. It is also short. Yes, it is short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think we'll, we'll we will probably we we may we might do a rankings a rankings episode at the end. I think that could be fun. Maybe after the rise of Skywalker, after we get all yeah, our... yeah, I would be venting. Yes. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there. Yes. So, all right, yeah. So this has been our episode, the beginning of our Star Wars live action movie journey. Uh, this is. I've been our episode covering episode four, A New Hope. Uh, we are your hosts, Johnny and Matthew. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.